Game days are back, and we are back on campus, and we're partnering with Airliner to host a series of live podcasts Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. every Iowa football home game week. First show is this Friday, September 3rd, to kick off the game day weekend. Come get some drinks like the infamous hammer and chow down on some food while listening to some of your favorite current and former Hawkeye speak. And of course, we'll be talking lots of Iowa Hawkeye football too. Each week, we will want you to submit to us all of your Hawkeye sports-related questions. And at each Airliner live podcast event, we will pick a few selected questions. And if you are in attendance, keyword in attendance at Airliner, you will win a giveaway item. We will be reminding you about this all week. So there's literally no way you will forget. Mark your calendars. Put it on your refrigerator, put it in your phone calendar, do what you got to do. Airliner from four to six this Friday and every other Friday after this, be there. Hey, now, welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. So today we've got Iowa 24-7 writer, Sean Bach on the pod. Sean, how's everything going with you? Oh, well, guys, how are we doing today? Good. Jack's enjoying watching your Zoom freeze up a little bit because he's used to be on the other end of that, but um, we'll work with it. So, Sean, how excited are you for a packed Kinnick covering a game? Because covering the games and everything the last year, it's been pretty pretty quiet, right? Yeah, it'll actually be my first time inside Kinnick since the end of the season in 2020 or 2019. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm really looking forward to being back. And, you know, you get a lot of nice, you get a lot of nice of uh, nice things to go along with covering media. You get nice food, you get receipts. Um, you got to work. You can't really tailgate, but I mean, other than that, it, it's, it's all right with me. I, I love doing it. And, you know, it'd be really cool to see just a big crowd again in a cow in a you know in one in one setting. Like I haven't I haven't really seen a big game or um, I've been to a White Sox game, been to two White Sox games, went to the Indy 500, but never really been to um, you know a setting where everyone's just going to be on top of each other like that. It's going to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, Sean, you might have to hook me up. You might have to sneak some food down from the press box over to the student section for me. I mean, hey, you guys can have our uh, beers too. I think it's like eight fifty or nine fifty or something like that. Yeah, for sure. So jumping into the upcoming home opener, Iowa versus Indiana, which I'm excited for. I've talked about in the pod, my brother's a freshman in Indiana. So there's a lot of family rivalry stuff going on this week. There's a lot of shit talking and there's a bet in place where there's money on the table and the loser has to post on social media for a day in the other team's gear for whoever loses and has to do a few things on social media. So there's a, there's a few repercussions on this game for me personally, but Sean, looking at this game and looking at this team, how do you think things are looking for Iowa at this home opener? Yeah. So Sam, it's also uh not, I wouldn't say a big game for me because obviously I have to be neutral with all this, but I have a lot of family that's from Indiana. My dad went to Indiana. I grew up a big Indiana fan. Obviously that fanhood kind of went away when I came to college and, you know, started working in media a little bit. So 
but I still get I still get friends that kind of give me crap throughout throughout the week and a couple of friends that are IU alums and kind of get you know the whole uh, the whole rivalry sort of aspect and um, yeah I mean it's kind of kind of cool to see Indiana as a rising program in the Big Ten definitely makes this matchup a little more interesting compared to years past but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it should be a lot of fun. So from covering the team, you know, this summer, this past year, everything, what do you think the game plan's kind of going to look like? Who do you think might be kind of a, you know, surprising star in this game or the X factor who people might not be expecting to see going into this game? Yeah, when you put it that way, that's kind of interesting because you talk about Tyler Goodson and obviously the impact he had last year and as you know, with Iowa, the big thing for them is going to be established to run. And I think that makes it even more important in this game, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not answering your question the right way, but I think it starts it starts with Goodson. But I think when you talk about guys that, you know, maybe not a lot of people are predicting to break out. And I think maybe the common fan needs to get themselves familiarized with Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, two true freshman receivers that I think can make a big impact this fall for Iowa. I think Keegan slides right behind, you know, Charlie Jones and Nico Regani as that number two, number three type wide receiver with Tyrone Tracy being number one. And I think Arlen Bruce can also be a factor as well with, with how he plays. And, um, you know, he's more of a versatile guy than Johnson can, you know, be, be a wildcat quarterback can go in the slot, can go outside. He kind of can play, you know, all over the field. And I think that's what makes him, really valuable to this team and two guys that I think, you know, if I was able to open up with the passing game can really, can really make something happen. I think that offensively and, um, you know, on the defense, the defensive line too is where Iowa needs to, needs to establish itself as well. I think, you know, we always talk about the linebackers, the secondary, and this year it's the defensive line. It's up to that position group, losing three starters from last year's team. The only one being Zach Van Balkenberg, or the only one coming back being Zach Van Balkenberg, um, who was second team all Big Ten last year. He's going to be the guy now. And Indiana, they're a team that likes to chuck it deep. Michael Penix Jr., um, one of the top Big Ten, one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Indiana's going to try and, uh, you know, open things up with the passing game. And Iowa needs to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback. I think, I think they figure that out, but I think that's going to be something that really needs to, um, you know, happen for this Iowa team to come away with the victory and really just be effective against the Indiana offense. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to kind of go back to with bringing up uh, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce was I looked at the receiving stats from last season for Iowa and obviously Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith both graduated. Both were probably the two best receivers on the team last year, but when you look at the numbers, Amir only had under 350 yards and Brandon had 230 yards. So it's like we're not asking a receiver to come in and be some gigantic role. It, it's more playing the role and, and just being where they need to be at all times. Like like you said, Iowa's going to establish that run game that's what you can always hang your hat on with Kirk Ferentz. Like they're going to run the ball in first and second down if they're able to. And then if it's third and short, they'll just run it again. So I don't really, um, I'm excited to see how they are kind of put into play with Brian Ferentz, especially because one of his criticisms, I'd say from just being here at Iowa has been using his talent to the best of their abilities. And sometimes a lot of people felt frustrated that maybe Amir wasn't, or maybe Brandon wasn't getting the looks that they should have. So 
I'm excited to see if like a fresh breath and, you know, new faces could maybe inspire Brian to try and work a little more of that outside spread magic, but going to Indiana, I'm really excited to see this Penix quarterback throw the ball all over because it it either makes for a game that will have a ton of three and outs and a ton of punts, or it will make for a lot of turnovers and short fields for Iowa to go down and and score touchdowns. I, I think Indiana, won't have great success running the ball in Iowa, but this also goes into what you said. The defensive line needs to prove it. Like last year I wrote down um, the Hawkeyes were fifth in the nation in opponent yards on rush attempt. Like it was under three yards, like two and a half. That's insane. I don't think they'll have that same like stat this year, but it all starts up front and only having one returning defensive lineman, especially in the big 10 is not something uh, a lot of people are too excited about, but what do you think um, for the for the Hawkeye defensive line? Like you talked a little about Van Valkenburg, but what do you think Phil Parker could try and do to help maybe, I wouldn't say ease them into this first game, but there is a lot of, I would say, load that's going to be put on this defensive line to get home and, and put pressure on the Penix because he likes to sit back there and, and take a big – chunk play opportunity what do you think if anything phil could do to try and you know ease it up for them yeah that's really interesting and i think it starts at defensive end and you know you talk about zach van balkenberg had three and a half sacks last year i think three of those came against minnesota so you know you it's kind of a weird number and like a weird way to describe it or how like his stat line but i think he's gonna have to get you know seven or eight sacks this season, not this game, but this season in order for this defensive line to be fully effective. And I think, you know, I mentioned the defensive end. It starts on the other side too with a guy like John Wagner, Joe Evans. You know, Joe Evans, we've seen him throughout his career, not, you know, getting a lot of snaps, but a guy that can be used in a NASCAR passage as, you know, just a straight pass rusher, and a guy that can get to the quarterback. He's he's done. He's been really effective um, that way in his career. And, you know, if he can, if he can be a guy like that more consistently and, you know, play more downs, I think that's huge for this Iowa pass rush and John Wagner as well, the Dowling Catholic product, he, he needs to be a guy to step up and, you know, he's, he's shown moments throughout his career. I know he started at defensive tackle more on the interior, but Iowa likes him on the D at defensive end now. And, you know, as a guy that can get to the quarterback and set the edge and, be that, you know, more effective passer, um, run, rush, run rusher. And, you know, I think too, it's going to be a lot on the interior play of the defensive line. We talk about the defensive ends, but I think the interior is going to have to be really effective as well. We talk about um, Yahweh Black and, you know, former four-star guy, how good he was in spring ball. Noah Shannon, who, you know, has seen, has seen snaps throughout his career, but hasn't really been that, you know, consistent every down sort of guy so it's going to start there it's going to start on the defense it's going to start at the edge on the edge um and I think yeah it's I think a lot of it's depth I think you know you talk about those main four guys but I think those four stars are really going to set the tone and you know really be responsible for what happens on um on Saturday and you know how they can kind of hinder Indiana's effectiveness on offense for sure. I think Noah Shan's a guy. I think he could be a huge impact guy this this year for the defensive line. I think if he performs kind of up to some of, you know, some people put really high expectations on him 
going into this year. So I think he's a guy who could really be a big difference maker. Um, one question, going back to the wide receiving group, I want to ask you is looking at guys like Regini and Charlie Jones, how do you see them coming into play, you know, picking up the snaps from, you know, Amir Smith-Marset? Like, where do you see them making a big impact? You know, short, short game, long game, you know, in terms of the passing game, like where do you kind of see them fitting? Yeah, I think, I think Regani, you know, he's a true slot guy, a guy that's going to be in the slot, be that, um, you know, Nick Easley, Matt Vandenberg sort of guy, um, kind of just be a consistent, reliable receiver. Um, you know, not anyone that's going to, I guess, get too much yards, get too many chunk plays, but guys that, you know, can get eight to 10 yards if need be, or, you know, you need a guy to get open because I, I've been really impressed with his his route running at Iowa. I think that's been – he's probably one of the smoother route runners on the team. And his release, too, is he's really good at getting off the line of scrimmage and getting that initial step on the defender. Um, so I think him – I think it's going to be interesting to see how he factors in with Bruce and Keegan Johnson. I don't think that – I know some people have said, like, hey, hasn't Regani down – like, has he trended down throughout his career? I, I think, honestly, like – people get caught up in the Keegan Johnson hype and their own burst hype. And I mean, rightfully so they're going to be really good players for Iowa, but I think a guy like Regani is going to be that X factor in the receiving game this year with his hands and um, how he can be kind of that consistent guy. And Charlie Jones, I mean, looking at his Buffalo tape, you know, we, we've seen him last year as a punt returner. Um, he's going to return kicks this year as well. I believe um, no one's really seen, no one at Iowa has really seen his receiving receiver skills. And I think a lot of people are going to be impressed with him too. I was, when I was watching his film, I really liked how he was able to get behind the secondary. Um, he had pretty reliable hands as well, was a, able to make big plays. I think he's faster than he gets credit for. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't really see it with returning punts, that speed, you kind of just see the shiftiness. And I think he's got a little bit of that shiftiness in the receiving game, but I also think with his linear speed and, you know, how he's able to run a straight line, I think that'll be, really if in, impactful for him as well. I think he could play both inside and out, which I think, you know, is really, which I think can make this Iowa receiving game really effective. I think, you know, you talk about true outside guys like Amir Smith, Marset, Brandon Smith, those guys were for the most part on lined up on the outside at those, at the X position, at the Z spot, um, you know, those outside receiver spots. Well, you know, you got Charlie Jones, Tyrone Tracy, Tyrone Tracy is a guy that you can move at five different or every single different receiver spot, which I think is going to be really effective for them. And same thing with Keegan. I think Keegan can work both inside, outside. Um, and same thing with Arlen. I think Charlie has that capability as well. And I think he could be like, like Regani. I think he could be a real X factor with this group. I mean, talk about the freshman, you hype up the freshman, but I think Regani and Jones are just going to have as significant roles for this team, if not more. From a recruiting standpoint, because um, you know, Iowa fans who follow your work, you do a lot with recruiting. Um, are there any big recruits coming to this game or, um, you know, who, who have you talked to? Who have you seen um, announced that they're coming to visit this weekend? Is this kind of a big recruiting weekend for Iowa? Um, yeah, there are a couple here and there. Um, obviously, the headliner is Xavier Nwankpa, five-star safety from Southeast Polk, who Iowa's battling with the likes of uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and LSU to a degree. Um, I think 
Notre Dame and Ohio State are in the best place there. But Iowa, Iowa's given itself a shot with the relationship that it built with him. And, you know, the NIL is a big factor as well. I mean, it's not, you know, the all in the end all be all with his recruitment, but, you know, it's a big factor or it's a factor. Home state kid, you know, big time prospect would be probably, I think, the second highest recruit in I or in program history to commit to Iowa with AJ Epinesa being the top one. Um, actually, Nwankwo would be second. Yeah, Epinesa was third. Um, he'll be in attendance. He's going to be there for the game on Saturday and then also take an official visit in October. Uh, you have his teammate, Caden Proctor, a 2023 offensive lineman, uh, five-star kid being coveted by all the all the program or all the nation's best, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Iowa's done a really good job early in that recruitment, but I think there's some catching up that uh, they have to do. Um, you know, I think the Blue Bloods are going to be a big player. I know that's the whole cliche with, you know, it's pretty simple for me to say that a Blue Blood is going to be hard to beat. But, you know, in this case with Nwankwo and Proctor, it really is going to be hard to beat. So those two guys are kind of the headliners. Um, there's a couple of commits coming up, um, a couple of 2022 guys that I was keeping a pretty close eye on um, this fall and guys that they might offer, they might not offer a few in-state guys. Um, a couple 2023s, I believe, but I think most of the kids, I think most the Iowa staff wants to get a lot of those top targets on campus for that Penn State game in October, and and rightfully so. I mean, it's likely going to be a night game that hasn't been confirmed or anything, but I think based on where things are headed now and if Iowa has success, then it'll probably be a night game, and I think the coaching staff wants to see those guys, um, you know, see, see a game under the lights at Kinnick. Uh, so I think this weekend we'll have a, a few guys, um, but I think that October, that October weekend is going to be where where things are really uh, set off. Basketball is a big recruiting weekend as well. That's going to be fascinating. Who's coming in for basketball? Yeah, they have a four-star forward from California, Jackson Kohler, um, who's more of a baby Jokic type player. Um, he's got USC, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Iowa is his top unofficial top schools right now. Uh, Josh Dix, a three-star guard out of Council Bluffs Lincoln, who's kind of that true combo guard. He's kind of like a hybrid CJ Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, but at six foot four. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good comparison um, or pretty good guy to be two pretty good guys to be compared with. So Iowa's right in the mix with him. Wisconsin's the other school to watch. Wake Forest is involved. Then there's a 2024 kid who Iowa's really in the thick of it for uh, he's a legacy recruit. Cooper Cook mm-hmm. out of Peoria, Notre Dame. His dad played for Iowa um, in the late 1990s, Tom Davis's last team. Um, he's got Illinois, Indiana, Purdue offers. He's going to get a bunch more. He's probably a top 75 player uh, in that 2024 class, I would say. Um, he's going to be, he's listed at like six foot seven, six foot eight. He's a really good player and probably one of the most impressive guys that I've watched. Um, in terms of just how he how he impacts the game with his shooting ability and just kind of makes it seem effortless out there. But I always got a really good shot with him early in his recruitment. And, you know, there's potential to possibly get him in the fold early in that 2024 class. I'm not saying this weekend, but I think maybe in the next year. Or so I think there's a good shot of Iowa uh, landing him. So it sounds like almost that this weekend's a bigger recruitment weekend for basketball than football, ironically. Yeah, I would I would think that would be fair to assess. I think 
I know a lot of kids are going to the Penn State Wisconsin game um, mm. up in Madison, so I think that's where a lot of the appeal is. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the football guys at the top of my head. I I kind of look at it as a basketball weekend for sure, though. So with the two five stars coming in for football, what have you heard about Iowa maybe being a little bit behind or not being you know at the forefront of this recruitment process, like? how haven't they been able to sell themselves enough at, up to this point to, you know, try to be the favorites as, you know, they got, you know, trying to keep these guys in their home state. Yeah. I think with Nwankpa, you know, I don't think that recruitment's done by any means, but Ohio state, Notre Dame, I mean, those are our big name brands and Nwankpa has always said, and, you know, I've always talked to people around him. They said like, he wants to go to a place where he can win championships. And I'm not saying that, you know, Iowa won't be that place, but you're more likely to do it at, say, an Ohio State or Notre Dame. Iowa's done a good job of selling that, you know, in-state guy, like in-state hero type guy. Like, you can stay home and, you know, put on for the state, that sort of thing. And, you know, Nwank was listening to that, but I think the the appeal of the Blue Bloods and the, the potential to, you know, be on that national stage, you know, more than, say, in Iowa – is standing out. And, you know, I think Iowa, I think with Proctor, there's still a bit to go. I think he's more open now than he was say a couple months ago. I think Iowa's worked themselves into the mix a little bit more. Um, it's still a long way to go, but I think like the same thing with Nwong, but I think the national appeal of, you know, the being those blue blood programs is really sticking out to both of those guys. I'm, I'm not saying Iowa's doing anything wrong, but I just think, you know, they're behind in terms of like, just national appeal and how they can appeal to those guys. How has your job like changed over this last year and a half or so with COVID and everything? And like, has there been many difficulties with that or have you just transitioned smoothly with trying to keep in contact with people and, you know, establishing those relationships? Like how has that all kind of, I guess you could say like progressed as this COVID pandemic's gone on? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, in terms of relationships, like I'm in a good position because I'm at I'm a younger age so I can relate to kids more and but I think and that kind of helped me over COVID and stuff and forming those relationships and you know talking with them over text or over the phone stuff like that but I'm really big on you know talking with people in person and meeting them face to face because I think I would say I've met most of the 21 2021 class face to face I have not met most of the 2022 class like face-to-face. I think I've met um, maybe two or three of them in person when I try to like meet everyone in person. So I would say kind of that whole, like just face-to-face interaction I've missed the most. And I think that's what, you know, kind of made the COVID disappointing. Now it was only for a couple of months that it was like that and, you know, upwards to maybe a year, but I think it wasn't wasn't the same in terms of relationship building because summer is kind of the time where, you know, you really build those relationships with kids. You really build the relationships with the people around them, the coaches, you know, just seeing them face to face and interacting with them. It's just completely different. And that was kind of taken away um, last summer. And then, you know, part of last year as well. And that whole, like, you know, just, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just interesting how it's evolved. I think, I think it hasn't been like anything crazy, but I definitely think just that just face-to-face interaction and, you know, having less of that last year kind of put a damper on things a little bit. It's, it's picked up and, you know, I'm happy it has because it's made my job easier and it's made, you know, dealing, dealing with people 
easier, but um, they're still kind of like it wasn't where it was before, I would say. And then kind of in the same vein, not really, but you do a lot of like traveling around the state, looking at other, you know, Mm -hmm. high schools and looking at the players at their games and whatnot. Has there been a high school game or a matchup between two schools in this state or just somewhere else where you were like, man, this is like the epitome and the definition of what Friday Night Lights is actually supposed to be about? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I only ask because when I used to live in Iowa, it was one of those where you don't feel that when you live, like I lived in the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois and like the city, the towns, they don't shut down for games, but in Iowa, like you have that feeling where everybody's there, the, the, the closed signs on all the stores are flipped. Everyone's like at at the stadium. One of those didn't know if any of those came off the top of your head. Yeah. Cause Jack, I mean, I'm a Chicago kid too. And obviously being in the, being, Going to Bennett, ESCC, Catholic school, you don't really, like, get that, I guess, Friday night feel that, you know, Mm -hmm. you get in some of these small towns that, like, my buddies from Iowa got. Um, You know, I thought last week I went to Bondurant, Ferrard, and they were playing Ballard. Um, Bondurant's in kind of a suburb of Des Moines, um, smaller town. They they have – so it's a smaller town, and – they were their football fields right by their high school. And then there's houses like behind like newer houses that are behind it. Um, and there were families that were like watching the games on their deck, like having beers and like, wow. you know, just watching it. Yeah. With the live stream. So I thought that was pretty cool. And the whole like big side of the bleachers was filled with the home, with the home team fans. And they had little kids that were wearing like the pop Warner jerseys, like tunneling out the, um or like forming a tunnel and like handshake or like you know giving high fives to the players and running out to uh uh what was it what song was it um it was a metallica song oh that's so iowa football it's either for whom the bell tolls enter sandman uh yeah that's so iowa like they have uh, something metallica or zz top or something like that it wasn't it wasn't metallica it was um oh my Born? god it's killing me what is it called I know I'm going to find it. I don't care how long this takes. It's, uh, oh, I literally had it. Oh, Joker and the Thief. That's what it was. Oh, gosh. How yeah. can we forget about that one? Exactly. That one, that one kind of gets me going. So that was, that was <laughs> definitely one. Like, I was a little pumped, like, during that. Like, I got some goosebumps during it. It, it was just cool to see. That, that's definitely one that stood out. Um, man, I'm trying to think. I don't, there haven't been too many others. Honestly, I mean, you know, like, have you ever, have you ever watched a game at West Des Moines Valley? Yeah, I have. That's really, what'd you think of their stadium? Because I think their stadium might be one of the most college-esque stadiums in the entire state and one of the most college-esque stadiums for any high school I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. It was massive. Um, They played Dowling. It was the Dowling Mm -hmm. game last year too, but like, they were so limited on fans that like most of the student section was like sitting outside the stadium. Oh, so, wow. You know, so you, were they yeah, like tailgating? Could, I mean, I guess, but like, they were like, they had them lined up like four by or like, I'm so bad with dimensions and like how like the four <laughs> by six or like whatever, but it was like four by like however many people were there, like students, but like they were like all had like six feet between them. And like there was no like interaction or anything, 
and like the crowd was like completely like just like spread out on the bleachers for both sides yeah it was a really weird feel and like the game wasn't that great like usually like that game is pretty close i i wish i went to southeast or i mean i was happy i went to bonnerant because i wanted to see that kid or from ballard that's going to iowa but um yeah i wanted to i that southeast polk uh dowling game just seemed absolutely ridiculous how fun that how fun that environment was and just the whole atmosphere that seemed awesome and that's like a bigger was that this past week this yeah they yeah yeah, nwankba caught a hail mary to win the game oh i did see that that's like that's so high school football like what a way to end a game like the best player making the best play at the biggest moment that's just that was awesome to see i saw that video i would like i would probably compare some of the four games like obviously i think i'm obviously biased towards illinois um and high school football there but I would compare like those atmospheres, like the Southeast Polk one to like similar to like at the Mount Carmel, like if you go to Mount Carmel and watch a game there, um, like the game last week, I think Mount Carmel won on like a blocked mm-hmm. field goal or something like they returned it for a touchdown. Um, so that kind of atmosphere was what you get with at that Southeast Polk game, and especially like with the way that that program has performed over the past few years, they, they really show out for, um, you know, their team and, you know, especially it doesn't hurt to have highly rated guys like Nwankpa and Proctor and then their quarterback who's going to Arkansas State. So there's a lot of talent and that that adds to the whole appeal of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many Iowa high schools have a handful of Division One recruits on them. Like it's you don't see that very often. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. And, you know, the talent in Iowa is rising, but like four, like two five stars on the same team, that's that's very rare, like anywhere, unless it's IMG. Right. Yeah, so what has the energy been like there out of, like, everywhere, just with, like, having two five-stars in Iowa high school football? Because that is probably, what, like a once in five, yeah, ten years I, type of thing? When I lived here for eight years, I the closest thing we had was, like, Urbandale, and the best player was Alan Lazard. That was, that yeah. was it. Yeah, see, in, you know, Naples, Florida, and Florida, we're used to five stars in the right. Florida scene. You know, it's a everyday thing. Yeah, I I mean, I think those people have really, from what I've seen, um, you know, obviously last year they lost in the state championship to Ankeny, who had Arlen Bruce and mm-hmm. Brody Brecht, who is playing at Iowa as well, wide receiver and pitcher for the baseball team, and yeah, I think a quarterback going to Central Michigan. So I think that was really surprising. But, yeah, I think, you know, Southeast Polk, it's pretty big. I think it's like Altoona, Pleasant Hill, and I'm probably missing one more town that it, like, feeds into. Yeah. So it's like a pretty – it's a big area or, like, a big – like, they take a big pool of kids. But it kind of just has, like, a little bit of a small-town feel to it in a way. I don't know. It's not really – I guess maybe it's different from, like, the West Des Moines and, like – the Ankeny's and Ankeny Centennial. It just kind of feels like a smaller town type vibe, even though it's like a pretty big like program. No, and like one one way that we've always like I've lived in Iowa for eight years, we always viewed Southeast Polk as like one of the better developmental programs. Like they bring kids in and they they build them into these great athletes and you look at a school like Dowling Valley uh Ankeny before they split into Ankeny and Centennial like they all would just get 
great athletes because of that metropolitan area in Des Moines. Like there's just a, t- a lot more talent to choose from Southeast Polk. They, they have like three areas mushed together and they're, you know, m- making the best of what they can. It was always really cool. Southeast Polk, no matter how good or bad they were, you always knew they were going to like punch you in the mouth and really mm-hmm. make you, make you pay for it. And that was, that's, I'd say like on brand for them and still is. And you can see with guys like Proctor and, um, how do you say the last name? I don't want to screw it up, Sean. <laughs> Noankba. Noankba. See, yeah. all right. So I just need to learn it. But yeah, I think it's really cool just to kind of take a step back and look at like there's legitimate talent in this state and it's on a weekly basis. And a lot of people wouldn't sit there and say like, oh, I was got, you know, high school talent for football or basketball. And, you know, someone like you right now is telling us that there's both and it's really cool to kind of experience that. And for, you know, anyone, this is just kind of going out there for anyone that like, it doesn't have anything to do on a Friday night in Iowa city, which is probably a once in a blue moon thing. But <laughs> like, if you go to like a good high school football game in Iowa with people who like have a tie to that team somehow, like it's a, it's a blast. You'll have fun, but have fun trying to leave Iowa city on a Friday night and not having something yeah. to do. Oh, trust me, man. Like that, like I try like to go to games, like I probably go to a game every week, but sometimes those Thursday night games are the most clutch ones. Like there's one coming up this Friday and, or this Thursday, and then I'm doing my best to stay local on Friday as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, even the local talent, like we talk about Des Moines, I was out there a lot the past couple of years, but you know, you have guys in the quad cities that are pretty good. there's Pleasant Valley as a four-star defensive end that's got like Michigan as one of his schools at the top of his list. Iowa's offered him Iowa State, Kansas State, and there's going to be more soon. Um, there's a few guys from that area. You got, you know, the North Scots. You got, you know, sometimes you'll get a team on the other side of the Illinois-Iowa border um, in Illinois who's like decent or a, I know there's a recruit there. Um, and even like Iowa City's had a couple of talented guys in the past few years. So linebacker from Iowa city high picked up an offer from uh, Minnesota last night. Um, who's also a really good wrestler. And, you know, there's kids in Cedar Rapids. I think there's like two or three defensive backs in the Cedar Rapids area in the 2023 class that um, are going to be power five guys who I'm going to see on Thursday. One of them has a Nebraska offer and the other one's got like Iowa, Iowa state, uh, Wisconsin, um, those types of offers. And, you know, those are some of the best games for me. And well, even, I mean, not to go on a rant, but even like, you know, the, the eight man, there's a guy, 2024 kid. Yeah. 2024 kid who's committed to Iowa who plays eight man football and he's a sophomore and there's a kid in class a up near, uh, in Winthrop, Iowa, which is just North of Cedar Rapids, but I think by like 30 minutes who is committed to Iowa. Um, and he's got, they got like 200 kids in their whole school and he's six, four, like, 270 as a 15 year old doesn't even have his driver's license yet so you get some of these like rare breed kids and you know it's nice for them to be local especially for me but I I think I've had a lot of the I've seen a lot of the talent out there and um you know west of Des Moines and in Des Moines um and even like guys in northwest Iowa like Cooper DeGene who is uh who's a four-star safety who was a freshman at Iowa this year went to OABCIG um in was at Old Ball, Iowa, which is like up near. Sioux what was State. that? Did you just said that was a lot in like one way? <laughs> yeah. Go. O A O A B C I G. So Odebalt, Arthur, Odebalt, Arthur, Battle Creek, Ida Grove. 
So it's like three or four towns in one high school. But he's going to Iowa. He was an All-American last year. Um, He was Gatorade uh, Player of the Year in the state, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of talent all over. It's it's nice, especially when it's local, but it's pretty cool to see, like, you know, it all spread over the state too. So kind of wrapping this up, going back to what we initially started with, with the Indiana-Iowa game this Saturday, we got to get a score prediction from you. What do you think this is going to end up looking like? You know, I feel like this is like the most basic score prediction. 24-21. Tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) 27-24. I think 27-24. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think 27-24 is probably a fair – fair assessment i my thing is like iowa you know it's typical start out slow you know not really get the offense going like i feel like that's a lot of points for a season opener when you're not playing an fcs team and especially you know a good team like indiana who's got a pretty pretty good defense i would say one of the better defenses in the big 10 this year with the all-americans that they haven't come back and the two uh sec transfers that they got in the defensive line those guys are really impressive athletes so I think Iowa, I think they get off to a better start, you know, this time around in the season opener, especially against a pretty, pretty good team. I think Indiana's a really talented team. I think they might be the more talented team, but I think Iowa finds a way to get the job done. I don't, I don't think that happens next week though. I think Iowa, I think Iowa State gets the best of Iowa, but um, for this week, I think Iowa. We'll we'll cut that part out. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about it eventually. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to we'll get to those predictions next week. But um, yeah, no, going off of Sean, I agree with. I I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be a three point game. I just think it's so Iowa football for the first like big game they play to start off slow and then kind of come back in the end and win the game by a field goal or something. So I have twenty to seventeen, but my hope is that it's like forty five to zero. That is my hope that it's a absolute blowout, but. Realistically, I think it's 20 to 17. Yeah, and I, I think this kind of it's, – it's comparable to think of this first game for Iowa to last year's where it, the Iowa offense and defense just didn't look on the same page and they had to go against yeah. a Big Ten opponent in the first week. And, you know, we always historically know they get those two non-conference teams to kind of get their feet under them and then they hit the, the grind of the Big Ten. Now, for the second year in a row, they got to have, you know, their feet on the ground ready to go first week and – I, I think that's going to be a really unique test for Kirk Ferentz, but shit, he's the most consistent coach in college football. I don't think any of us can doubt him, and I don't think any of us can doubt this team coming out and performing in front of 70,000 people and walking out in the swarm. Like I think that will be a really, really cool moment for yeah. that team where they really haven't had that. You know, Last year, they had a ton of negativity and criticism come down on them after two games and they went on a roll. They're still rolling. If you want to put it that way, they're really trying to, I think they're really trying to, you know, prove themselves and kind of what they put together last year. Cause also they didn't get to play in their bowl game mm-hmm. and Indiana did. And they looked like shit against a bad Ole Miss team. So both teams have something to prove. Um, it's going to be really chalk of me to say this, but like, I agree with Sam. I think it'll be like 20 to 17. I think, it's more Iowa is going to constrict Indiana and, and keep control of the game. And Indiana will try and use Penix to throw the deep ball, get some chunk plays, get Iowa's momentum out of them. But in the end, you're playing at Kinnick. It's tough to win at Kinnick. It's a tough Iowa team. History says 
this is an Iowa game. This is an Iowa win. So, um, Sean, we can't thank you enough for coming on. And to everyone listening right now, be on and look out this Friday at Airliner, 4 to 6. Okay? We have a live show. If you're not there, I don't know what you're doing. It doesn't interfere with any of your plans. 4 to 6, be there. Show up. Have fun. Get drunk. Listen to us. Be rowdy. It's going to be an absolute blast. Like always, not the same time, same place. We will see you guys later.